As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Thursday afternoon. Blue Jackets on Long Island tonight against the Islanders. Uh, gotten pretty familiar with this team of late. Of course, a 4-3 loss in Nationwide to these Islanders on Tuesday. And then after tonight, the Blue Jackets head off to Boston. Off day on Friday, and then it's the Bruins on Saturday. The return of Sean Corrali, and I'm not sure if this is out there yet, but Nick Felina, who has played his 1,000th game in the NHL, of course, the former Blue Jackets captain, uh, will be honored for having played 1,000 games uh, tomorrow or uh, Saturday against the Bruins. Uh, so special. Uh, a big night uh, for the Blue Jackets, the visiting Blue Jackets, but also for Corrali in particular. He'll get his. Boy, this has been like the welcome back year uh, for the Blue Jackets. Corrali will get his. Uh, in Beantown on Saturday. Uh, Our guest today is Corey Promen, senior writer at The Athletic who handles NHL prospects. He's uh, all over the youngsters in this game. Uh, We're going to talk to him about the players who are here now, the players who are on the way, and we've got a couple other uh, issues to talk to him about. We'll get his take on. Uh, But first, a couple of news and notes from the Blue Jackets. Zach Wierenski, of course, injured last Saturday in Minnesota. Uh, Jake Middleton got him high, helmet to the face, kind of. He is he has an upper body injury slash head injury. Uh, club is not saying it's a concussion, so we won't either. Um, but they're going to be, of course, very careful with Wierenski at this point. He missed uh, Tuesday's game against the Islanders. He's not on this trip, so count him as out uh, for the Islanders in Boston. Uh, Boone Jenner still out um, with a back injury. They've said this is week to week. I think these 
these two situations are going to be handled a little bit differently, but I think there is going to be, given the situation late in the season, not going to make the playoffs. I think you're going to see every precaution taken with both players. Um, and I'm trying to be careful with this because there's always every precaution taken. But for Wierenski, if he is able to play, maybe you still give him a day or two on top of that. In other words, the urgency to get back as soon as you can. Uh, if this were a playoff race, if this were the playoffs, I, they're not going to, it can be handled differently. So, how are you feeling? Be completely honest with us. And then maybe we'll even tack a couple, few more days on there. Same with Boone Jenner. I think Jenner might even be more, more long term because it was told, given to me today, is that they may handle this like they did Gus Nyquist, where last year, where Nyquist was, could have played the last five or 10 games of the season, was cleared. But what's the point when you're, way out of the playoffs, why, if you're hurrying back in even a little way, why do that? So I, I think precaution will be the the prevailing wins here. Saw Boone yesterday, not for comment, just saw him walking by. He's getting daily treatment. Um, they're building up, strengthening core muscles, hoping that that will help uh, deal with what his, his back ailment is. Um, but he may not, he may not play again. This season, either the plan for now is for him to play again this season. It's listed as week to week, uh, but I think that's possible. Um, one other note: Brad Larson, uh, head coach Brad Larson, and assistant coach Steve McCarthy not on the trip. So Pascal Vincent is not just the associate coach, but the interim coach for the Blue Jackets for the next couple of games. They both tested positive for COVID. Surprisingly, I think a lot of people thought that the Blue Jackets were done with this, that this group of players and this coaching staff, we're still wearing masks around the players. There are still precautions being made even before these diagnoses. Um, but yeah, it's it's roared back here a little bit. So Larson and McCarthy out for a couple of games, and they're in the capable hands of uh, Pascal Vince. Jared Bull now behind the bench for the whole game. Uh, there's a great joke to be made there that Jared Bull will be running the D just like he did for most of his career. If you remember, Jared Bowl as a player. Uh, Kenny McCudden's running the, the uh, forwards. And we'll see. Uh, Craig Hartsburg was here in Columbus with the team. I assume he's going to be with them in, on Long Island, helping with the D pairs as well. Um, so some experience for some of these guys uh, late in the season here under not ideal circumstances. But we certainly wish uh, Brad Larson and Steve McCarthy a quick recovery from whatever symptoms they may be uh, feeling. Hopefully they will remain mild symptoms. Uh, let's get to Corey Promen, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, Kirill Marchenko, Dmitry Voronkov. We've got lots to talk about. Names you've heard a lot about uh, who are going to be future Blue Jackets. Uh, some today, some just around the corner. Uh, so let's get to, to Corey Promen and uh, we'll hear what he has to say. All right. Hey, Corey, how are you doing today? Thanks for being with us. I'm doing well, Porty. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I mean, Columbus is one of those. This is what we talk about in Columbus. I, uh, it's about the prospects and the kids right now. Um, you and I have discussed this a lot. I think the season has been, geez, a little bit unexpected in that they've they've sure. kept their head above 500. They've taken maybe fewer lumps than people would have expected. Uh, but they are still very much a team for tomorrow. And so we wanted to bring you in here to talk about some of these guys, some of them who are here now, some of them who are right around 
the bend, um, and and some other sort of philosophical questions, if you will. Um, but let's start with with um, let's start with the young guys outside of the organization, because I think that's where that's where a lot of the eyes are right now, especially with the season essentially over in terms of making the playoffs or any postseason. Sure, um, Kent Johnson, sophomore season at Michigan, they are still very much alive in the Frozen Four. Ah, probably the favorites to win it. I think they've been that since the start of the season, but it's going to be a tough crawl to the to the final. Kent Johnson's on a loaded team, and, and those guys don't have to be great individually each night for that team to have success. There's so many of them. What have you seen from this player? He's going to be here, as you well know, probably two days after Michigan either wins it all or gets knocked out of the the tournament. He's going to get a taste of the NHL this season. What have you seen from him this season, maybe since the draft? What sort of progress has he made? And what are you thinking of his sort of short-term NHL outlook? Building off the things you just said, obviously Michigan is one of the top teams in college hockey. Will they win it all? We'll see if they're a favorite. It's a mild favorite. So there's some really good teams there in, in that Frozen Four. But Kent Johnson has been one of their top players all season. Uh, you, you watch him and the, the skill level is extremely evident. The, the offensive creativity, the, the playmaking ability. Uh, this is looks like a guy who is clearly going to be on an NHL power play unit. Uh, that's going to be a guy who is going to get a lot of NHL assists and 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 create chances at the higher levels. He started off really hot, uh, you know. Got off, you know, he was scoring a lot there at the beginning of the season. I, I would probably say, you know, compared to some of those other guys on Michigan, particularly Matty Beniers. And, and maybe if you wanted to argue Luke Hughes on power, I probably wouldn't argue he had the same caliber of season as those other guys in terms of kind of what you expected him to be, like an offensive dynamo. It was just slightly over a point per game by, by the end of the season. But I still think you watch him both between collectively this season, between Michigan, between Canada's under-20 team, and, and then with the Olympic team, too, there at the end. He clearly looks like a top prospect, a guy who's going to be a top two-line forward. Is it a center? Is it a wing? I think those are the debates with Ken Johnson right now. You know, does he have enough of the all-around game? Is the skating good enough to to be a legitimate top two on NHL center? Those are the things he's going to need to prove when he turns pro, whether it's in the NHL or the American League. You know, however the rest of uh, you know beginning of his pro career goes over the next couple of years. But but he clearly looks like a very impressive prospect. Yeah. Did what did the Olympics tell you about him, if anything? I know it was such a different year. There weren't NHL guys there, which is why he was there. But it's always it's always revealing to me to see how these guys play against grown men, uh, regardless of their I want to say regardless, but these are really good hockey players outside the NHL. And they're also grown men. I think that's a big question for him is how will he survive? in a game full of really everyone's big in the NHL when you're used to college hockey. He's under 170 pounds, I think. Did that show you anything, the way he was able to produce and have success for Team Canada in the Olympics? It did. It was arguably his most impressive stretch of the season, I I would argue. Yes, that event is definitely not the Olympics that we would be used to at NHL right. to go there. It's not even. It wasn't even the quality of the World Championships because World Championships – does have NHL players. Yeah. Even last year's World Championship, which didn't have a ton of NHL players, had some, as you remember, Liam Foody, 
went to that event. But it was analogous to what we usually see with the major European tournaments that happen throughout the year, which are still very high caliber of competition. And for him to be able to go there, and not only did he play well, but he wasn't expected to play well. As you would, and your listeners probably recall, he was supposed to go in to be a reserve player. He right. wasn't supposed to start in the lineup. And then as that tournament progressed, they had, I think, some COVID issues at the beginning. One of the players couldn't come in. He got an opportunity. He ran with it, stayed firmly entrenched in the lineup. That Canadian team, unfortunately, wasn't very good. So it, it just elevated him up the lineup even further. And I showed that as a, a very young player, as a teenager going up against men, that he could have success and show that he belongs. And I think that's optimistic if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. Say, oh, he can go do that. And maybe when you watched him this season, yeah, the numbers don't dazzle, but maybe he can come to the NHL right away and 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 have success. Or maybe he needs a little bit of starting next season. Maybe he needs a little bit of American League time. And then maybe by the second half, he's a full-time blue jacket. I think those are some of the things you could take away from the Olympics. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, these next two guys, I want to ask you about them first together because there is a, a commonality there. That's an issue for today. And then sure. we'll get into each of them singularly. Kirill Marchenko and Dmitry Voronkov. So Marchenko, there was an outside chance he could have come here at the end of this season if his team, St. Petersburg, were bumped from the KHL, and if his club agreed to release him right. early from his contract, now that is out the window, I'm told. Um, but what do we know about the future of getting young players from Russia to the NHL? Do we know anything, Corey, given this the state of the world right now, especially in Russia? Has this changed at all? Is this going to be more difficult, or do we know anything in any direction yet? I think it's going to be slightly more difficult. I don't think it's going to be any more different from at least, well, I want to phrase this correctly. In terms of just getting the players to leave the KHL, obviously there was a statement from the NHL about a month or so ago how they were severing their ties with, with the KHL and the memorandum of understanding that they had between the two leagues is, is no longer in effect. Yep. And that didn't really ever mean anything. It was just an exchange of right. information. Didn't, it wasn't a legally binding document that prevented transactions. Uh, so it, all that's going to do is maybe make it slightly more difficult to get certain information on 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 the player's contract status. But, but I, it's, it, I think it will still be the typical procedure of season needs to end, the Russian Federation – and or the KHL team needs to release the player and then they could, they could sign a deal. Where the complicating factor is going to be when I talk to NHL teams isn't really that part of it. It's the will, is they can we get them a work visa here in the United States or in, yeah. or in Canada? And, and that's the part I can't really tell you. There's only been one Russian that's that signed an NHL contract, to my knowledge, since the situation in Ukraine began. And it was a college player uh, playing in the United States already. Already here. Uh, so I can't really say how that's going to transpire. I think that they will eventually let them come over, but it's particularly if you're trying to do something right now here in this moment, it's possible there could be difficulties. Yeah, and that's that is there's a it's a specific visa for athletes, performers, etc. That I've heard the same concerns that when all when everything is is um, in a rough spot and there's backlogged demand for these. Sometimes the last ones to get through are the 
the P1s or whatever they're called. So that something to keep an eye on. But I, I think the Blue Jackets would hope to have something done with Marchenko. He wants to come here. His Russian club is not happy that he wants to come here, but he has stuck to his to his um, decision. Good for him. And, and, um, and I, I would expect he would want to come. He doesn't even play for their team anymore. He, well, he's, he's in the VHL in their playoffs. I think, he's, I think he scored today as we're recording this. But, yeah. but yeah, he's just he, he had a decent him. year with, with, with Ska, but as they kind of – they added a lot of veteran pieces in the middle of the season, and he got bumped out of the lineup. And yeah. he's been there now. Whatever he's been part of that program now for many years. He's not even a regular in the lineup anymore. So I would expect he definitely wants to leave at this point. Yeah, it could even be the other way around that because he's wanting to leave, and has made that clear to him them that he is no longer part of the program. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. I've heard those rumors over the years. It's hard yeah. to tell which way is that is which. I, I would say. I really like Marchenko, the prospect. I think it's also fair to say that when he was in the KHL this season, he didn't have the big year I thought he was going to have. I think he started off well, and then he kind of tailed off there as the season progressed. But and at least they gave, they gave him a chance to make the Olympic team. He kind of, he was one of the, he was one of the last cuts. Uh, I still I still really like the player. He's super talented, big, yeah. fast, skilled, goal scorer, all all that stuff. But I also don't think he had. The big season, but it's possible that as I've heard the same things that you heard that sometimes these Russian organizations, in particular SKA, can be a somewhat retaliatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Voronkov is a year yeah. away, not not next season, but the year after. Um, I just wrote a piece Sunday about how this Blue Jackets team, and it's you know the the few day the the days after I wrote it, a few people have whispered, "Yeah, thanks for writing that." They see it the same way uh, from the inside. They need toughness here, big time, because they got absolutely bullied in Minnesota. Voronkov's one of those guys that can help with that, the way that he plays. I, you've seen him up close and personal. Uh, tell us again about Dmitry Voronkov and his game. Yeah, he is He is sick for, he is a competitive physical player. Uh, I, I do think there is offense in his game. It, it's not going to be eye-popping offense. He probably didn't take the big step forward in scoring this season that, that I thought he was going to do. Uh, but in the KHL, but when he's been with the national team this season, a tournament in the first half, and then with the Olympic team there in the second half, and as well as the World Championships the season prior, I feel like he's performed very well. I do think there is some offense there, but he's never going to dazzle in terms of like the speed and skill type of guy. But I think there should be enough there to be probably like a third line NHL player. You know, maybe yeah. could he be higher in the lineup? It's it's anything's possible. But I think if you're hoping for a third line winger or center, I think I think he could be that and provide size and physicality. And in turn, and it's not just size and physicality, but like if you look where he scores. His goals and generates his points. It's all around the net. He he yeah. is he is a very good net front presence who provides a little bit of touch around that area and and those guys are not always easy to find who at least play yeah. at the NHL level. Right, right. Um, so th- there's uh, three forwards we just went through. Let's get to two defensemen who aren't too far away from the organization. Maybe a couple of years, three years in in each case. Uh, the first one is Corson Kuhlemans, who was drafted in the first round. Last year, a freshman at Wisconsin this year, what it, it took a pretty big hit early this season and came back from a concussion early in the season. My sense is he's finished strongly, but what have you seen from Corson Kuhlman? I, I think that description is, is bang on, and I, not just because of the of the injury, but just when I watched him in the first half of the season, I thought he, 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 he quite frankly, he struggled. 
It just was very mediocre, I thought, in some of the games that, that I watched. And it was a big jump for him. He barely played all the season prior due to the COVID issues in the AJHL. I think he played like five, seven games there with a couple of preseason games. And then the U18 World Championships in Dallas at the end of the year. So going from that to to, to the Big Ten was, was a bit of a jump for him. But the second half of the season, when I, when I watched him, I thought he was he was not just good. I thought he was quite good. You're looking at a guy who's hmm. big, and he's mobile, and he's making skilled plays. He, you know, he's leading the rushes. He's setting up his teammates. You're like, oh, okay. You know, there's you know, so we got something to work with here, and you're starting to see some progress. And to build on to the point you made with Veronka, I think his defending needs work, but I think his overall, I think there's physicality in this guy's game. So I think when you have his size and his feet. And he doesn't mind playing physical. I think there's a chance that he could be a, this, a very solid two-way defenseman in the future. I do think he will be part of not the world junior team that will be assembled in the summer for Canada, but I expect he'll be part of the one in the winter uh, yeah. w- whenever they decide uh, where that will be hosted. Yeah, cool. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, and then here's a name that the Blue Jackets just acquired in the trade with Involving Max Domi, the three-way trade. Um, we're just learning to pronounce this name, let sure. alone learn learning this young man's game. Aiden Reshik, defenseman at Boston College, just had a freshman year at Boston College. Um, undersized, but not short of of will or toughness or compete level is the book on this young man, Corey. Yeah, I liked Reshik coming out of the draft. Liked and loved. He was a third-round pick there of the Carolina Hurricanes. Probably didn't have the freshman season I thought he was going to have when I – Watched him as a junior player when he was at the NTDP. Also as a power play guy, play driver, moved the puck, was able to skate the puck up really well. Uh, with, with his, I think that freshman year at Boston College was a little bit of a wake up call from him. In turn, I just he was just okay, kept, kept his head above water. There is some talent there. Like I think the feet are good. I think there is at least some offense. But he wasn't a consistent power play guy at, at BC this season. Uh, that contributes a little bit to, to the eight points on the season. Although I guess you could argue that if you were that good offensively, you would be on the power play. It's a, a catch twenty two. Um, yeah. yeah, honestly, I think you're you're kind of ho- you're hoping for more probably in his sophomore season. Uh, I expect. I don't know if he'll be a world junior guy for USA next season. I expect he'll be at the at the big camp and and he'll need to really play his way onto the team between his camp process and the first half of next season. Uh, that's kind of where I am with Fresh Truck right now. Yeah. Excellent. So we are in conversation with Corey Promise, senior writer at The Athletic. Uh, we're talking about the Blue Jackets prospects in the NHL currently and, and those out of the NHL. 
Um, we've started with the gentlemen, the, the young players that are out of the organization. Corey, I want to ask you a question now that I think is, if it's not on the mind of Blue Jackets fans now, it will be soon. And, and this, of course, as you know this, Corey, the NHL lottery is a big, big deal in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> um, it's never quite gone the, the Blue Jackets way. Um, but they've got some interesting dynamics at play this year. If the Blackhawks have the one or two overall pick, they keep the pick this year, and that pick goes to Columbus next year uh, as part of the Seth Jones trade last summer. Sure. Now, you know where I'm thinking here. If if Chicago is seventh overall in the standings, and they seem to be backing up a bit as the season uh, comes to an end, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, do you want that pick this year? year which if they don't move up to one and two it's probably going to be in the seven eight range um if they win the lottery this year then it bumps to next year and i think you can all see where the blackhawks are going with their rebuild not out of the question that patrick kane is traded this summer not out of the out of the question that Corey or um jonathan taves goes this summer, Mark Andre Fleury has already gone. There could be some lean years in Chicago. In fact, it seems as though they're planning on it. If you're a Blue Jackets fan, do you want Chicago to win the lottery this year in the hopes that maybe, just maybe, if the Blue Jackets are kind of what they are again, what they are this year again next year, you're not going to get these elite players through the draft. That is maybe the best chance now they have to land a home run like they've never landed before in young man, Mr. Connor Bedard. What's what's the thinking here? Where do you, where would you come in if you're a Blue Jackets fan? Right. I think that's a, a multi-layered question, so I'll, I'll get to it in a second. But you said they never won, had any, any lottery luck. In, in 02, was there a lottery back then, the Rick Nash year? Or there was. It? was. Okay. And they, but they yeah. went from second to third, and they had to trade their way up to, to Nash at one. Right. That, right, I, right. Now that I remember that. Right. Yeah. Um, going to the Chicago question, yeah, I think the part you said about how we expect them to continue being bad is 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 relevant because of you know they their their manager Kyle Davidson has been very straightforward that there are some tough years coming. They don't have much in the farm system right now. They have big contracts on the books. It's it's very hard to imagine me for me to imagine them turning that organization around in short order there to being any different than what they are right now. In terms of the the exact specifics of your question, would I prefer to have a top two pick next year as opposed to a top two pick this year? Connor Bedard looks like a very special prospect. We'll see where we are with him a year from now. A lot can change in a year for, for any prospect. But in terms of where guys were when they're 16, comparing him to some of the great Canadian prospects over the last 20, 25 years, he looks like maybe he's, you know, I'm not going to go say he's the next Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid. I don't think that's fair for me to say at this stage, given that he's, all, he's still not even in his draft season yet. And I think there are still some things he'll need to prove before he, he gets that kind of claim. But he looks like a guy who could be a potential legitimate star number one center in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Now, in terms of when we talk about the 2023 draft, often three names are mentioned. It is Connor Bedard with Regina, it's Anna Fantilli with the Chicago Steel, and it's Mafe Mitchkov with Ska. 
I can't sit here and tell you right now that Adam Fantilli is definitely a better prospect than Shane Wright is with, with Kingston, who is the projected first overall pick this season, right. even though he hasn't had the, the the unreal season where he sets records and does all these amazing things statistically anyways. And I can't sit here and tell – I think Matvey Michkov is a better talent than, than Wright is – but I can't sit here and tell you that the player who is signed with the aforementioned Scott organization through the 2026 season is a better investment than drafting Shane Wright would be with a first or second overall pick. So for those reasons, yes, in, in an ideal world, you'd prefer Connor Bedard to Shane Wright. But even if you finish, even if Chicago somehow finishes last next year, you're guaranteed a 25% chance to, to, to get that. Correct. The first pick. Correct. I've, I'm not really, I'm not sure what you think. I'm not really a big fan of the way they changed those lottery odds. It's there. It's, I get why they did it. There was a really bad look there when it was like six or seven years. It was Edmonton and New Jersey had the first overall right. picks or something along those lines. But I think they probably went too far in one direction with that. And I think it makes it really hard for teams that are legitimately struggling to recoup yeah. high-end talent. And and, and that, that's just the system we have right now. Yeah. And, the you know, people talk about tanking as though it's just – you just tank and you get the first overall pick. Well, like you said, I think it's – I'd have to look at the numbers. It is like – I think the best percentage you can have is 25%, right? Right. The – I, re- I that system, if I recall, was born out of the 2014-2015 season, where back then there still was a lottery, but the lottery is only for, was for one selection. And yes. if you finished the last, you were guaranteed the second pick. And that was the year you had Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel in the same draft. And right. there was an embarrassing race to the bottom in, in that season. Uh between several teams, in particular between Buffalo and Arizona, I distinctly recall a game where the Coyotes were in Buffalo playing and the Sabres fans were cheering for Arizona. It it wasn't a good look. And I understand why there was some change that needed to be made, but I would argue they probably went too far in one direction. Yeah, they get tired of Edmonton winning it every year. Yeah, that was a variable too. Yeah. Um Okay, so let, let's get to the uh, players who are in the organization now. And a lot of these showed up on your, your 23 and under list. Um, I believe it was in late January, not that long ago. Um, real quick, the youngest player in the league, Cole Sillinger, 18 years old, um, drafted by the Blue Jackets in the number 12 overall last year, really number 11, uh, but, but in the number 12 spot. Your thoughts on him one year into his NHL career? I'm not sure people were sold that he was an NHL guy right off the bat. He's really been the one guy from the first round that has stuck all year, I believe. Um, decent year. Hasn't been explosive offensively, but he's he's held his own in the NHL. Your thoughts on Cole Sillinger? Right. Yeah, I think you go back to that camp process that when I, the buzz was – Starting and I, got, I was getting a lot of uh, NHL people sending me your articles about how it looks like he's going to to make the team and 
I got a lot of yeah, okay, sure thing there. Yeah, right. He's not making. He's not stick. He's not making that team. You know, they he doubted play. me. They, they doubted me. I, I I know. I know what we were thinking, wow. but and 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 I understand like there is almost no track record, very little, anyways, outside of the recent Jack Hughes of guys going from the USHL into the National Hockey League. Right. It, he, although he did play WHL this yeah. season prior, it's a little different. Yeah. He, Weird. We had a very weird last two years. That's just the, the state of things. But I think you looked at a guy who was 11th overall, 12th overall pick, sorry, uh, and didn't play didn't play pro hockey, wasn't an elite, elite junior player. He was really good in the USHL. He wasn't player of the year there or something along those lines. So I, I understood the hesitation. And I understood why someone was saying, oh, I think they might be rushing this kid. But but you look at how his season has gone, and as you said, he he's held his own. There's been some some tough stretches in there, and there, there's been the hat trick game yeah. in there too. And I think you know Cole Cylinder is such a really really competitive physical player. He has good good skills. I, I, I he looks like he belongs. He looks like he's going to be an NHL player for a very long time. You know he looks like a guy. You know you're very happy with getting him at twelve. We did that draft. You know, where does he go? Is it does he go top ten, top eight, top five? You can have reasonable dis- d- debates about that. As other players have had very excellent seasons, I'll be outside the NHL. But but he looks like a really promising player. I think yeah. the gap. If you thought there was a gap, I'm not saying Columbus did think there was a gap between him and Kent Johnson. I think that gap for who is the most promising young player in the organization has definitely closed over the last twelve months. Nice, nice. Uh, interesting guy here. He's been hurt a lot this season, but you look up, you look up, and he's shooting twenty percent, which I know is not sustainable. Sure. He's got eleven goals. He's like top ten in the league among defensemen in goal scoring. Uh, Adam Boakfist, um, part of the Seth Jones trade, unheralded part of the Seth Jones trade, maybe. Um, still twenty-one years old. Not a not going to get votes for the Norris because of his defense. Oh. Maybe people don't even factor defensive play in anymore with the Horse Trophy winners, but I tend to w- agree. But that's a whole other issue. Yeah, red line forward. This guy's been fantastic. What do you see from Adam Bokefist? Yeah, obviously as you said, he's not going to keep scoring uh, at at shooting at the rate he is, but he's always been a goal scorer. Uh, he had uh, something like thirty goals in that one OHL season. He played. He scored a lot when he was a, when he was a junior player in Sweden. Uh, it's like he, his shot has always been a legitimate part of why he was a top 10 pick uh, to go with the great skill, the offensive creativity, the, the I'll, I'll call it a willingness to jump into the rush. I'm sure coaches wouldn't always call it that, but, but he's, he's an aggressive off, you know, offensive uh, player. And I really like Adam Bokvist. I think he is going to have uh, a, a long career as a top four defenseman, a guy who helps your power play, probably not going to kill penalties. Probably not the first guy over the boards if you're thinking of trying to win a clutch defensive zone draw or matching up against good players. But I think he's a very promising prospect. And, I mean, I think he was a very big part of the Seth Jones trade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And they flipped uh, Jake Bean into that trade uh, as well. Um, Next guy I wanted to get to, he's been with them again this year. And you and I uh, were among the many on on draft night that were really, really intrigued two years ago when the Blue Jackets busted out Igor Chinikov in the first round. Um, And now a year later, he's come to the NHL. I think there's been some moments similar to Sillinger where – 
you can definitely see the the NHL shot is there. Mm-hmm. I think they trust him away from the puck maybe more than they thought they would. Um, just talking to Pascal Vincent, the assistant, the associate coach of the Blue Jackets, and this will be part of the Blue Jackets Sunday gathering on on Sunday. Um, he he sees a really dynamic player in the future with both Sillinger and Chinikov, but. Uh, when you see Igor Chinikov, and I'm, I've been fascinated to watch him play in the NHL this year because I knew almost nothing about him when they drafted him. Um, you see little glimmers of of offensiveness there that that uh, look kind of special at times. Yeah, I, mean, I think with with Chinikov, the assets are the puck skills, the offensive hockey sense and creativity, and it's the shot. I would say the difference for me between him and a cylinder is obviously Cylinder plays the middle, and I think Cylinder is an extremely competitive player. And he has some 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 grind in his game that you think that, yeah, he's 18, but when he's 20, 21, 22, 23, he's going to be this really good two-way player that, that coaches are going to trust in a lot of situations. I think Chinnikov, when I've watched him historically, he's a power play guy. He's a scorer. He's the guy on the flank who shoots the puck on, on the man advantage. That that kind of is his role. I don't I don't know if he has that elite computer, the elite speed to to be that kind of to drive a line by himself. But I think if you're looking to say, hey, can he be a a complementary winger on on a, on a top three line where he where where you can lean on his shot and and he can make skilled plays? I think he's he's shown you the glimpses of that. Yes, for sure this season. Obviously, kind of like you know, any young player, some some good stretches, some not as productive stretches but but he looks like a good player i think when when chinnikov was drafted i think you know looking back in hindsight i don't think two years later was it one year no it's two years later sorry mm-hmm. i don't think it's unreasonable to suggest he was the you know the 21st best player in the draft i'm not saying he would be a, on my list but i think you go back to that draft and nobody's really after picked after him has really become an established nhl player like he has although he wasn't a third year eligible when he was picked so I mean, he he could be in that conversation. I remember when they picked him. I forgot whether it was their director of amateur, Billy Simon, or their general manager, Yarmo Kikalainen, said that they thought he was one of the ten best players in the draft. Which at the right. time I thought was an interesting, and still do think it's an interesting idea. Well, I'm, I'm not sure I would agree with that, but yeah, you know, if you can say, if you want to sit down with a straight face, tell me, hey, he's somewhere between the you know, the 20th, the 35th best player from that draft class. I, I think it's a very reasonable argument. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it made the draft fun as hell. I'll give oh, you that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew the player. When it, was, I, I, it was all like this nonsense being spit out. Like, nobody knew who this guy was. Like, people knew who this guy was. And we, I had watched him at the U18 World Championships. And there was uh, – Central had him as, like, a B-rated prospect. And uh, – there was buzz coming into the draft because he had that really good stretch there of scoring of like, what does it mean? I personally probably should have had him higher on my list. That's obviously something that's reasonable criticism of myself, but, but people, at least people in the game very much knew who he was. I, but I do think I haven't heard from any other teams since then that had him in the same level of prospect as Columbus had him. Yeah. Now they, they swore then and they insist now that they knew someone was going to take them. And and it is possible. Like I've yeah. heard, I, I heard that with um, obviously the the one that everybody stirred last year was Tyler Boucher. 
Uh, yeah. When Audible checked about 10, and I was like, oh, why don't you trade down? And I do, and I, I can't know what every single team is picking, but I know in that one, there was a team in the teens that was looking at Tyler Boucher. So maybe they had that intel. I, I just said, I just can only say that I haven't heard that personally. Well, and that was big for the Blue Jackets too, speaking of the Boucher pick, because I think it was at that moment that they knew they had a chance to get Sillinger because they were absolutely sweating bullets at that point that he wasn't going to be there at 12. Well, I think that was, I think, after that pick, they could get Sillinger. I think that was the Correct. pick, but directly before that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They were scared to death that that's where he was going. Right. And um, it's, it's kind of funny, too, because, like, I've had this argument with on, on Ottawa-related uh, subjects, but you know, they picked Boucher because they wanted uh, you know, to bring a guy with elite physicality into their organization, which I always yeah. thought it was weird that they passed on Sillinger to pick Boucher, given that I think – I don't think – you know, Sillinger plays like Tom Wilson does, but he, he right. has a lot of those elements in his game to go with the scoring ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so quickly, some readers' questions here from Twitter. Uh, this is from David Baust. Of the young left-handed prospects, left-handed defensive prospects for the Blue Jackets, Stanislav Svazel, Samuel Canasco, Guillaume Richard, and Jake Christensen, who has the highest upside? It would probably be Svozel, but but I think I, I like him. I liked when I watched him this season. I also really think Kanazko kind of had has had an underrated good year. He's played, you know, well in, in the WHL. He's played well when he's played with the with, with Slovakia, particularly I think he, he got us some time there with the national team there. I believe he's at the Olympics if I if I recall correctly is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, and I, I thought I remember watching him, I thought he, he held his own there. So I think those are the two guys. Uh, you're most optimistic. Both can skate. Both have offense, uh, average size. But I, I think there is some there's some talent there. Nothing against Guillaume Richard, who I have time for, or Jake Christensen. But I think those two are more the complete package when it comes to a, a pro prospect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from Rasmus, who wants to know your thoughts on Michael Pitia. Uh, I, I think Pitia is competitive. He's a good skater. There is some offense. His offensive production obviously has gone up this season. He was a couple of points the previous year in the league. He's now had a regular role with TPS. He's scored at a good rate. Is he for sure going to play? I can't sit here and, and, and tell you that. I, I just, again, not that big and not dynamic speed and skill. So I think he's he's going to need to prove that the work ethic and the sense are just going to translate uh, to whether it is to the American League first and then eventually to the NHL. Uh, he's got a chance, but probably wouldn't call him a top prospect. Yeah, excellent. Hey, Corey Promen, thanks so much for your insights, your knowledge. Appreciate you sharing it with us. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it. Uh, I'm already excited for the draft and the lottery, but man. I don't know about you. You, you. you may be in the same mode. Are you gearing up now or gearing down? Where are you at? Yeah, pretty much the last month or two has been – in in draft mode in terms of draft research, going to games, talking to people around the league, and it's really going to pick up here over the next couple of weeks. I'm heading over to Europe for for a couple of weeks nice. uh, for for draft related reasons. I, I think I'll get back right, uh, hopefully right when the lottery happens. I haven't heard the exact date, but I've I've got a, like a rough approximation and uh, and yeah, we're we're in draft mode here at uh, for the next few months. And Corey, fingers crossed it's going to actually be a draft in person in Montreal this year. It, it's almost going to feel normal again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. I'm looking forward to the at least the extravagance of, of being in yes. person. I don't I don't really 
get any ex- that much extra value of being there in person other than extra little extra networking. But it's it, it makes it more fun. It's great to see all the hockey people in one place. It's great to see all all of my colleagues because you know you get to see all of our, our media colleagues on a regular basis. Uh, right. I I kind of exist in the shadows typically when it comes to that stuff. So it's right. nice. It'll be nice to see all the athletic people again. Yeah, good times. Hey, Corey, thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Front and Nationwide. We'll be back again with you next week. Take care.